Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 154 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Atnip here on this week of Christmas. We are all in the holiday spirit still, having a great time out here in Traverse City. Joining me via FaceTime, Andrew Rosenthal, James Cook. Fellas, it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas because we have been gifted sports back for the fall. They are going to get a chance. We're going to talk a lot about that in today's episode. We have a great interview with Cadillac Junior setter Renee Bryan. She stopped by to chat about that return to sports. Everybody is returning to practice on Monday and is raring and ready to go for the start just after the new year. We will tell you all those dates, all that stuff coming up in the pulse. After the interview with Renee, we are going to dive into our Christmas movie bracket and we are going to do a big drum roll and reveal our 2020 all-region football dream team. James, finish that up as we uh, turned into this holiday week. So we're going to reveal it to you guys and give everybody something to look forward to. Gentlemen, before we get started, got to remind you, this is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. I don't want to chit-chat or BS about anything else except for the fact that we are back. We're back, baby. Yeah, this literally, this announcement literally came like a Randy Orton RKO, like, out of nowhere, and I'm texting you that we're playing high school sports again. So, and you guys didn't, you guys didn't believe me at first either. You're like, wait, no, what? Yeah, we have, I mean, plenty, plenty going on. We have volleyball, football, girls swimming and diving. They are going to be part of a pilot program of antigen testing where they're going to rapid test these athletes, what we assume is the day of competition, so they can play in these final fall sports tournaments. James, I know that you kind of broke down the dates. I know what they are, but you haven't talked yet. So tell the people when this timeline that the MHSAA released is going to get underway. I mean, football teams can start practicing on Monday. And then basically all the regional final games are going to have to be on January 2nd. They're making every, every team play on that day, um, which means that there'll be going to be a doubleheader at Thurlby Field. Uh, we don't, we're not sure what times yet exactly, but uh, Traverse City St. Francis and Traverse City Central both have home games in this round, so it's going to be a doubleheader of some sort. And the other thing is skiing is going to get back. I mean, what? We have three Northern Michigan Ski League, the Northwest Conference, the Big North Conference, the Lake Michigan Conference. They can all get going again. That's probably something everyone in that, that participates in those look forward to. We get to head out ski meets again. Those are always fun to be at. Happy Town Slalom, the Big North Championships at uh, Crystal Mountain. Those are all going to have, that season's pretty much going to go off without a hitch. Yeah, and I'm surprised that they that they brought back skiing, but they didn't bring back bowling. Because it seems like bowling, even though it's indoors, can be just as distanced as skiing. And bowling alleys are open, it, too. That, it, that has nothing to do with yeah. it. That has nothing to do with it. That has nothing to do with it. The reason why they did not bring back bowling is because they are not allowing indoor stuff without the antigen testing. This is a pilot program, and they're using just fall sports to see if it'll work for the rest of the indoor winter sports. I understand, yes, you could. Social, it's, it's not about the social distancing. The fact, the only reason why they're letting volleyball and girls swimming and diving go off is because of the testing. That's it. And they are not giving this testing to all athletes. This testing is not going to skiing athletes. The skiing athletes who are able to practice and who are going to be in that winter sport are not part of this antigen pilot program. 
The antigen pilot program is hopefully going to be used to help unmask Michigan sports, which we've talked a lot about on this podcast. And hopefully, I mean, it only makes sense that, you know, your whole team shows up to a game. You do the antigen test, which is basically a spit swab test. And while the readings are probably the least accurate out of all of the tests that we know of. Yeah, there's actually a lot of false positives associated with the antigen testing. They still have that chance, that opportunity to test and then say, hey, there we're you know we're all negative. You don't have to wear a mask if you're negative on the court. You know that the, the reason why the masks are there to pre- prevent you know positive people from interacting. If we know that everybody's negative, just as the NBA has done it, just as college has done it, just as everybody else has done it, this is going to lead to the unmasking of sports. And I think that's the idea is kind of using this as a testing ground, like we said, a pilot program that is going to hopefully give the rest of winter sports, which you know. James didn't quite get into that quite yet, but, you know, winter sports are basically going to be pushed back post-January 15th. Um, all of the dates haven't been exact yet with practices and everything like that, but, I mean, the MHSAA told winter sports coaches to keep their games after January 15th. If they're on the schedule, keep them scheduled. Keep that stuff going, not to make any changes on that because they expect to be playing by after January 15th. How much practice they get in before the first game, that's a bit, di- bit different story, but what I'm trying to say is that this antigen test pilot program is hopefully, regardless of the fact that we've already had four weeks or whatever cut off of the basketball season, is hopefully going to give those winter sports athletes and the spring sports athletes who didn't even have a season last year the opportunity to finish a season without it being interrupted by COVID like we just saw with the fall sports season. And how, how about we look, take another step forward? This is going to give so many more opportunities to those just in the education field as a whole. They're, the state of Michigan is looking at how antigen testing is going to be applied to teachers, maybe even students, to get more people back in the classroom and keep those schools open. I mean, we're talking every high school or every middle school, every, every elementary school in the state of Michigan. We're not just talking about high school sports at this point. We talked about how we didn't even know how wrestling could happen with masks. This should give wrestlers a chance to happen without masks, right? This should give basketball players a chance to do it without masks if this pilot program works, which I don't know why it wouldn't, except for the fact of, once again, availability of tests. But, like, Andrew, you're the one who had a good idea of where the tests even came from. Yeah, so literally every sports league in America is doing this, except high school sports. The NFHS was advising against leagues uh, or high school sports associations early in the pandemic uh, to test its athletes. I actually found out Utah was the first state that started it. Um, they're doing this thing where you literally just spit into a thing every other week, and then you're done. In the NFL, they're doing a finger prick before they started the um, antigen testing. Jake, we got antigen tested out in Charlevoix where they literally just you know finger pricked us, and 15 minutes later we knew if we had a good idea if we had COVID-19 or not. The dude walked up to our car and said, yeah, you're negative, and we drove away home. And that made me feel a little bit better for the next couple of days, even though I never actually got my results back in the mail. This is, do you think this is going to be easy for the coaches or the AD or, or the school medicine people that are going to, going to be in charge of this? Like, or is it going to be tough? It's not, it's not it, it shouldn't, it's not, I, that's the only thing is we don't know is who's it going to be ran by. And I, I have serious doubts that anybody at a school is going to be running these tests, quote-unquote, would be, be qualified to run these tests. They will have to have medical professionals running these. And MDHHS, if you didn't already see the stories, is paying for all of these tests. This is not falling in the hands of any 
school boards, any tax. Well, it technically, it's taxpayers, but I'm saying like. And, and, and I think any, on the bigger pers- and I think on the bigger perspective, they're just going to see how this is going to work for the educational field. Like if they do have people that are doctors running these tests, they're going to see if they can do it when high schools open and stay open after that. Yeah, and for the, for the big part is and in general. It's hard to see the wide application because of the availability of testing still. The reason why this has been able to happen now, we asked these questions a long time ago, five months ago, why can't we just test kids every day? Is that a thing? We're like, oh, it's too expensive. It's too time consuming. It's not possible. This, that, the other thing. We're now what? Eight months deeper into this pandemic. It's now more readily available. It's obviously more affordable because... Schools aren't going to have to foot the bill. School boards aren't going to have to foot the bill. Parents aren't going to have to foot, foot the bill. And but we have MDHH, two vaccines. But, M, but MDHHS is going to be footing the bill. I mean, even with a vaccine, if, if the testing was more readily available six months ago, this would have been an option. But now it is because the vaccine, like you said, um, is getting those frontline workers vaccinated, getting those people in nursing homes vaccinated, who are the ones who are constantly taking these tests. Now we have the opportunity to make that happen. And, Basically, I think Stacy Quiggin, our volleyball coach of the year, said it best. She said, it does feel like we have a lot of weight on our shoulders because we have to like kind of show that this can be done right because if they do it right, the floodgates kind of open for sports, which is a good thing. They're like a good floodgates, you know. It goes, hey, this has all been fine and dandy. We've been able to pluck the one kid out of the 200 that tested positive or, you know, whatever it may be and spread stop the spread. And... Once again, I feel like the MHSAA felt they already put out good enough data, already showed MDHHS that they were not a reason that coronavirus was spreading or it wasn't spreading at their events or from their teams to their teams, things like that. This only furthers their argument that everything will be back full bore for the rest of the winter sports and spring sports, if you ask me. And Jake, the one thing I want to leave on, if, we, if, the, if this is what gets us into our next segment, at the state press conference Friday, Director Gordon said one thing that really changed my mind about how the department sees high school sports. He said finishing the season is important to the athletes. You know, all along we've said, we've heard we, that the idea has been that health professionals don't think sports are necessary. This was the first time on Friday that the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services acknowledged how much high school sports mean to Michigan. And I think that's a big step forward. Well, yeah, I mean, we saw how the MHSA said that they had, for the most part, been ignored. You know, they'd been trying to get a hold of the state and trying to get input into these things and say, hey, can you help us out? What do we need to do? All these things. And they were kind of just getting static, nothing in return, because I think that a lot of people in the state just didn't feel that this was an important enough issue to have to be dealing with with other things that they had on. I, I You know, I... I can't say that I necessarily agree with them, but I think that's the way that it was going. It just changed all of a sudden. Well, I, I'm not sure, uh, once again, exactly how everything is going to work. That's going to be a big question we're going to see over the coming days. How often my, understanding is they're, my understanding is they're literally talking about that as we speak. Like The director said on uh, at Friday's press conference that you know we're probably going to be talking about this over the weekend and give you some more updates on Monday. They, they literally heard about it the same day we did, like hours before. So basically what I was saying is we don't know how the testing is going to work, how often the test is going to work, if they're going to have people going to practices to test or just doing it right before the game. I mean, Cadillac coach Michelle Bryan's 
you know, made a good point. It's got to be pretty stressful for coaches coming out of this big COVID quarantine. If they don't test them, you know, now or just after Christmas, they all head to their quarterfinal game, and then three of the girls get tested positive. You drop it, and then you're in you're in a whole different boat. You know, it, it's it makes a you know it makes for a stressful situation, not knowing how it all works out just yet. But nonetheless, I talked to five or six different people yesterday, and everybody, and I mean everybody, could not have been happier to talk to me for once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. That segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's is freaks about fresh bread, meat, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's freak, yeah. That's going to go ahead and dive us into our interview with Cadillac Junior Setter, Renee Brines. She chatted with us just after finding out that sports and their run through the quarterfinals back and intact. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around Podcast is excited and extremely excited to have an athlete on for this week. And Cadillac's Renee Brines, thank you so much for joining us today at The Get Around. Thank you. Yeah, we just got big news on Friday that fall sports are back. Renee is a junior on the volleyball team for the, the Vikings as they are running into, what is it, January 5th date uh, now for a resumption of the playoffs. Before we get into an interview about all that, we're going to dive into our Freaky Fast Five a nod to our sponsor at Jimmy John's. I'm going to go ahead and get us started off with what country would you move to if you had uh, a chance to tomorrow? Probably somewhere in South America. It's always warm. <laughs> what is the perfect temperature inside of your house? Probably a little cold because then you can always put layers on. But like if it's too hot, like I hate when it's too hot. Because then I can't sleep, and I just can't do anything about it. What's the uh, worst part of having your mom as the uh, head coach? The worst part? Yeah. That's a hard one. Uh, well, probably because she's always with me. Or, well, she always knows, like, what, like, even in club, even if she's not my coach, she always knows, like, something's, like, wrong or something. It's like I'm doing something wrong, and then she'll just always be trying to coach me <laughs> um, sidelines and obviously she pays more attention to what i'm doing than anyone else on our team she was telling me when uh i was talking to her for the story when volleyball was canceled like two or three weeks ago you were always the manager and at the at cadillac's <laughs> games you were always tailing along with the teams what's your favorite memory from then yeah um my favorite was probably the last time the team went to the semifinals. macy and i were the managers of the team. I was in seventh grade and she was in eighth grade. And we got to go for like the whole experience. Like we left school early with them. We rode to Battle Creek with them. We got to sit on the bench at the game. And then we like stayed the night in the hotel and like we were there for it all. So it was fun doing that. Alrighty, last one. What's your spirit animal? Oh gosh. Maybe a bunny. Because I'm <laughs> feel like I'm quiet, but I'm also like quick. Bunnies are quick. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, I, you know, I don't think I've ever actually heard somebody say a bunny, so I really like that uniqueness. I <laughs> really do. That is the Freaky Fast Five, a nod to our sponsors at Jimmy John's. We're going to go ahead and dive in with Renee a little bit deeper on this season. And obviously, the first thing, it's on everybody's mind. We're back. 
How excited are you to start practice on Monday and get back into the gym and know that you have a date to play again on January 5th? I'm so excited. Like, at first, I didn't think we'd – well, at first, I thought we'd get to finish, but I didn't know when it'd be. And then once the date started getting moved back, I just kept thinking it happened last year with, like, the winter sports. So I'm like, we probably won't finish. But now we actually have, like, a date to finish, and we can practice, and I'm super excited that it's, like, so soon. I know that you guys are still in the middle of this playoff run. You guys have done this year after year, but this has to feel different. Um, especially after taking a long break. I mean, you guys are in the quarterfinals now. What is the the attitude, the mood moving into a quarterfinals that you – I mean, you guys have had a month off, but comparatively to where you guys have been in the last couple of years. I think the whole team's just really excited to be in the quarterfinals, and, like, I've never been there. The only person on our team who's been in a quarterfinal is Macy, and that was our freshman year, so we're all really excited to be back. And we play Birch Run – and we've watched a lot – well, I've watched a lot of tape on them, and I'm sure the rest of our team has, and we've talked about them quite a bit over the break. So when we play them, we should know them like the back of our hands. So. Yeah, I just finished up doing that volleyball all-region team, and one thing that I did notice is you know, several, not just Macy, you, Macy, uh, Julia, there's several of your girls who spread those stats out, who do everything. You know, your rotation isn't – where you guys have to be static at the front of the net or the back. You guys move all over the place and kind of do everything. What type mm-hmm. of what type of play style have you guys been created with, with your mom as a coach, to kind of make that happen? Well, we play a lot of tough teams, and, like, we have quite a few players that play in the front and back court, but, like, we have a strong defense, and I think that you can't win a game with one or two people or, like, even three people. Like, everyone has to be in it. And I think that's what's made us so successful is that the games we win, like, it's everyone who's doing something, not just one person. Your mom was telling me that you guys still had your team dinner the day that sports got canceled to celebrate your, your regional title. If you, if you can go back to that day and just tell you guys that were at the table one, one thing about, you know, that, that sports were going to come back, what would you say if, it, what, if you were just going to, you know, give one word of advice from the future? I'd tell them to not get down and to keep working over the break because we'd be back. So we got to stay in shape, obviously. So, how much were you able to do during the during this pause? I mean, uh, obviously, you couldn't really have contacts with your coaches aside from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, how much were you guys able to do to to stay in shape and, and do those kind of things and make sure that when you come back on on Monday that you're as, as good as close to 100% as possible. Yeah, so my mom sent us, like, things to do daily, like, just at our homes, like, running and, like, jumping exercises and, like, ball control, like, you can do by yourself. I've been running a lot and, like, doing sent us, but I've also been setting because I'm not, like, like I can get in the gym, but other people can't, so... <laughs> I've seen videos of people playing volleyball just like off their, the back of their houses. What? How can you practice volleyball at home? Well, I have a basketball hoop, actually. So, like, I'll set into my basketball hoop as, like, I'll get, like, a certain amount away or whatever, and I'll set into it because it's, like, probably – it's pretty accurate, I think, and it's a small target, so it would be easy to put it in there. And then sometimes I'll do it on my garage door – 
which is sometimes hard. Like some people have like nice brick wall, like on the side of their house that they can use. But like, I don't have that. And like my teammate, her dad made her like a platform that she can like hit on and stuff. So she's been doing that. So, so, I mean, obviously uh, not anybody else can't really have contact with their coach. Um, because those are the rules, but they can't say that with you. So how much of an advantage has that been for you to be able to kind of essentially just have your coach right there and when nobody else does? I'd say it'd have quite an advantage because she has, we can get into the school or like we can get into to a gym because she's a coach. All the coaches have like keys and stuff. So I've been able to go in and set some, but. Now you guys, you guys do get a chance to step into that quarterfinals and possibly, you know, within a week's time when you get back, you get, you know, you get, you guys are gonna have about two weeks to practice, and then you have one week of competition. Is that stressful to an athlete thinking like, hey, this is almost like we have like a new season, it's it's all new? Like, how does that kind of sit in your mind that it goes from kind of zero to a hundred extremely quick? It's like that for every team. So, like, we're not the only team that's feeling it, so that makes me feel better about it. And, like, with our team, we've... I can't say we've been in situations like this before because we haven't, but we have played really good teams, and I don't know I don't know if Birch Run has played as good of teams as we have, um, but we've had a pretty tough schedule, and we know how to play against a tough team, but we obviously haven't played since our regional final, which was not our best match. It was actually quite bad to be honest but I think if we're ready which I assuming we should be because we'll practice for like eight straight eight or nine straight days I think we'll be ready and I think that if we just do what we're capable of we should be good. Have you um, thought about I mean I guess uh, all the quarterfinals and semifinals that are covered and everything in in Kellogg Arena it seems like the referees call doubles a lot more tightly there than it, it seems like at the starting quarterfinals on it's just they call it a lot more than in the other part it, is that changed things for you as a setter and how you prepare not really actually because I really appreciate that when they call doubles because I don't want to sound cocky or anything but I feel like I don't double that often and when we play teams who referees let it, like double slide it like annoys me because I'm like you shouldn't have double standards and like I feel like our refs that are at our games are pretty good about calling doubles, which I like because I'm like, I feel like this is varsity. And if you're on varsity, you should, shouldn't double that often. So I appreciate that they call more doubles. Now, as you get into the later stages of the playoffs, uh, like you said, this year as his first time here, what has the preparation been uh, different now, especially with the break? Um, you guys as a team having to look forward to possibly, you know, a state, a state championship when, you go, like you said, maybe even two weeks ago, you didn't really think this might even be a possibility. I feel like I'm a lot more excited to play in that now. And before I was like, it's, it's even if we do play, it's like far away. It's like, it's not close. But now it's like, actually, like we're playing it like less than 20 days. And like, so I feel like I'm a lot, I mean, and I have been watching tape and stuff. So I'm a lot more prepared than I was. And I don't know, I'm excited now, I, I got to ask about Macy. We've had Macy on this podcast. She's our back-to-back, you know, uh, record eagle volleyball player of the year. I mean, after looking at the stats in the area, she about, like, doubled almost anybody else's kill totals. 
I mean, what, what what's it like playing alongside um, her, especially with you being a setter and having somebody like that to finish off so many of your passes? Yeah, I've been playing volleyball with Macy since fourth grade. And, like, when I was born, her mom, or, like, when I was really little, her mom was my mom's assistant coach, actually. So we were always around each other. There's only been a few seasons where she hasn't been on my team. So we have a really good connection. And, like, I've been playing with her for years, so we have a really good connection. And I think that if we get a good pass and I get a good set, she'll get a kill. Like, unless we're playing someone with, like, insanely good defense, she'll get a kill most of the time once we get or at least if I get a good set even if yeah. the pass is that great so it's good to have someone to rely on to just put the ball down when it needs to be she's not afraid to swing yeah I mean I, I just how much have you talked about having even just one more match with her I know that really you guys still have a quite a young team you know mm-hmm. Macy's I, is she your only senior or yeah. Kate, okay there's three more there's three right yeah Angela Moe and Molly McKeever okay Angela Moe's like one of our DSs. Okay, okay. So yeah, but I mean, you guys, but you guys have a pretty young team. Mm-hmm. You think about you get to the quarterfinals here. What 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 was it, or how much have you guys talked about getting a chance to play with those seniors the one last time? We haven't talked about it that often, but I've thought about it a lot. Like, I would be like, that'd be awful if like my last game with Macy was in that regional final, and like I didn't know it, and like we won too, so like we knew we could have gone farther so I think it'll be good that we get to play in the quarterfinal and potentially go farther so we'll have closure because like if we were to just play in the regional final and that was it like we didn't know like anything like that was going to happen we thought the next Tuesday we'd be playing in a quarterfinal but that didn't happen and it's good that we actually get to finish it out and know that like this is our last week so I feel like I bring this up all the time and we have Cadillac kids on here, but once again, I feel like Cadillac's athletics have just been kind of like slowly stepping up the ladder to go like one step deeper in the playoffs or go, you know, one, do one thing better right now, you know, with, with the return to sports, you're the only school in our area that has, you know, both football and volleyball still in the hunt for a state championship. What's the, you know, even, even in a year like this, when everything's just been kind of like juggled around, what's the culture been like at Cadillac that has allowed everybody to kind of elevate their game? I think we've always been kind of like, I mean, maybe not for volleyball, but for football, we're kind of seen as like underdogs and like in volleyball sometimes too. Like, I don't think this year people expected us to be as good, but I think we're definitely seen as like the underdogs, but I know like the football team's really excited to get back. And I think that just makes everyone really happy and it'll make, I know, I just think it'll be good to have everyone back and they'll all be excited to play again. This news obviously helps, or the news from Friday obviously probably gives you a lot more optimism about the season. I know I talked to your mom about it and she said the same thing because I know she coaches that too. You know, she goes, hey, um, this makes me feel like we actually might have a season this year and we're not going to have to worry about it. How do you feel from the student perspective about the possibility of having that track season in full? Um, I'm excited because last year I didn't get a track season and I do like running track, but if I'm being honest, much happier that there's a volleyball season and not a track season. Um, I'd still really like to have track just because it's something to do when I'm not I'm not bad at track, but um, 
I don't know. I'm excited. And uh, after that uh, game against TC West, the the last one where you guys forced the tie against the, you had the uh, the necklace on that Macy Brown had made. Does does she do that stuff all the time? No, that was like the first. Well, it's funny because after the first time, well, we lost the first time, and I was just like our whole team was so mad, but I was just her especially was just so mad. I mean, I was really mad too. I didn't want to lose in five at home by two points. But after the second time, we didn't have school that day because it was like a, one of the grades was taking the PSAT. But we were like that time around, I think we were much more prepared or something. And she made the necklaces and brought them all to the game and we wore them in, which I think gave us a boost of confidence. <laughs> but just because. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we felt ready and we were like, like we in that going into that game, they were supposed to beat us again. Like we had nothing to lose going into that. So I think it was just all our put in all of our effort and see where it takes us. And then we came out on top. So Renee, thank you so much for joining us today at the get around. It was our pleasure having you. It was so much fun chatting and learning more about the Vikings. We wish you the best of luck on the fifth as you head into the volleyball quarterfinals and hopefully a trip down to Battle Creek. Thank you. Another huge thank you to Renee for stopping by. Uh, Cadillac has been doing great things, and like we mentioned, is the only school with still a football team and a volleyball team in the playoffs. So we're excited to have sports back. That interview sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. That's going to roll us right into our 2020 football dream team reveal. James, you did a lot, a lot of hard work on this. We got an offense and a defense. We're going to reveal the first team. Dream team here on the podcast today. Second team honorable mention will be in Sunday's edition of the Traverse City Record Eagles, so make sure you pick that up. All three teams will be sitting there come Sunday, but this is the one we go with now. James, as I said, you did a lot of the lead work on this, so you get to lead us off here on the podcast with our player of the year selection. I don't know if this is a no-brainer, but go ahead and tell our our lovely Audible viewers who that is. I kind of thought it was a no-brainer um, in the, uh, you know, Josh Burnham from Traverse City Central. Um, he I, he really impressed me. I mean, last year we all knew that he was a great linebacker. We all saw that. So we already knew that. But he really impressed me this year with how well he was able to make that transition to playing quarterback as well. And, uh, you know, throwing 16 touchdowns with only two interceptions and over 1,100 yards and then rushing for another 813 TDs. I mean, that was just – impressive on top of what was already an all-state worthy linebacker you know that he was last year and we only really got to see the true Josh Burnham when it came to the playoffs you know that game against Midland he played the whole game and came back from down I think they were tied with him at the half or but my point is he was out after the first half and still got those stats for during the regular season there was they were blowing out teams like Alpina and and he was done after the first quarter and then that Number two, uh, our second Dream Team quarterback, Hunter Ventline from Grayling. He had the best hair in Northern Michigan. Kind of like his stats. Comparison. Trevor Lawrence. 
also happened to be one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the region, passing for 1,200 yards and 14 touchdowns this season, 256 rushing yards and three more touchdowns. Look, I saw this guy throw in Dylan Craig, who's probably one of our better basketball players in the region. This, who's, who's probably going to be one of our better basketball players in the region. And I, I couldn't think that he it wasn't a throw from Trevor Lawrence to Hunter Renfro. I mean, this was just, what, 50 yards in the air for a touchdown, and Craig's like 6'4". I really love the way their offense worked this season, and he was right. He was leading it down the way. Our Offensive Player of the Year this year was Kingsley senior running back Owen Graves. We know how fast this kid is, the fleet of foot, and he has made a difference for the Stags for the last four years. Uh, but even in the last two, I, I think he's been a part of, what, 25 wins for Kingsley? He had he had 1,043 rushing yards and 16 scores on the ground in only seven games. He also had nine catches for 205 yards and a touchdown. And on defense, he had 36 tackles at safety. So... Owen Graves, I mean, 16 scores in seven games, that's in, that's unreal. Yeah, and I think a bunch of times there was times like Burnham where he wasn't playing in the second half because you know, Kingsley blew out quite a few teams too. One of our other running backs is Austin Bills from Traverse City Central, the guy uh, that Burnham's handing the ball off to. I mean, uh, whenever the Trojans needed money or needed yards, he was money. Saginaw Valley State commit ran for 882 yards in eight games, scored 12 touchdowns, averaged 10.4 yards a carry. So he averaged a first down every time he gave him the ball. Um, also was a pretty good linebacker on defense. He had a force, five forced fumbles, interception, three pass breakups, 29 tackles. I mean, he did a little bit of everything for them. Going on to Sheldon Huff from the still undefeated Joburg Cardinals. Only game where he didn't reach 100 yards was the 49 49- 16 blowout where he had 70. 1,212 yards. Uh, that's a pal- that's a, almost a paradigm, right? Pal- palindrome, as you could say right there. 15 touchdowns in eight games, averaging 10.2 yards per carry. So kind of just like Bills Verts. You, you give the ball to him, and he gets a first down. First team All-State by the Michigan High School Football Coaching Association. NFL Legacy Division MVP. 115 tackles. 62 solos. Two interceptions, a sack, a fumble recovery, five tackles for loss, and a blocked kick at linebacker. Definitely one of our better players in the area. Next is another star running back, Grayling Jr., David Milliken. He put up a monster season, leading Grayling all the way still into the playoffs as they are. He was the NMFC Legends Division Offensive MVP with 1,257 rushing yards, 24 rushing touchdowns, and two more through the air. He was also a top linebacker with 50 solo tackles and 58 more assists. I just want to add the eye test on this kid. He was a tank. Like, you get, like, the 9.5 yards per carry doesn't say the whole story. You just couldn't tackle him. Yeah, in that game that I saw him play, too, yeah. Just people just had a hard time wrapping him up. He is powerful. Um, and, and he's got another year left. I, I told I was talking to Josh Sellers a couple of weeks ago, and and I told him that Milliken was only a junior, and he's like, "Oh, great!" He thought he was a senior. Then we move on to our wide receivers. Uh, the top, the first wide receiver is Finn Hogan from Glen Lake. I mean, this guy is just a, a walking matchup problem for teams in, uh, in Northern Michigan. I mean, he's a six foot four receiver who can jump. I mean, basically plays power forward in basketball and can dunk. And uh, he had 34 catches for 744 yards and seven TDs, averaged almost 22 yards a catch. Uh, also had 
105 yards rushing on six carries with a touchdown and uh, led the team on defense with three interceptions. He's just a good athlete overall, too, as mm-hmm. you said. I mean, a lot of his catches for touchdowns were just like over the back or like oh, completely contested or between the cornerbacks. Just love watching that Golden Knight team play when I got the chance. Also a kid, I also love play, watch playing Cole Spencer from Misik. We talked about his numbers and his stats on this podcast, and I actually got to see him play, and I'm like, gosh, start. The kid's leaning forward into his in, into his first downs, sprinting up and down the right sidelines, almost what you would imagine from an NFL play, caliber player. We believe when he's one of the best athletes in the area overall, led all receivers and catches with 41 yards, 848, scoring 13 touchdowns. 83 rushing yards on the ground and a touchdown and a kickoff return TD. He was the return man. Recovered four fumbles and picked off two passes, one for a touchdown as a linebacker. Do we have to say it anymore? The Misik won a playoff game for the first time in school history. Another wide receiver uh, who went up against Misik and actually knocked them out of the playoffs, Gaylord St. Mary's Conrad Corti. He moved around a lot, had wide receiver and running back, but he was really just a big piece of that Gaylord St. Mary offense, ending up with over 700 rushing yards, 500 receiving yards, and picking up five interceptions on defense. He caught 11 touchdowns and had five on the ground, so a total of 16 touchdowns uh, on the year for Conrad Cordy from the Snowbirds. He had 58 tackles as well on defense. Moving on to the offensive line where we've got Carson Briggs, senior from Traverse City Central. Friend that, of the show. Yep, former guest. So go back and watch that one uh, or listen to that episode. Um, but uh, signed with Western Michigan. Those are, uh, that was our first virtual episode, too. Uh, Western Michigan signee. Um, he just is somebody that TC Central would just run behind when they needed yards. Um, also dependable in pass protection on an offense that averaged nine yards a carry in the first eight games and completed 67% of its passes. Uh, I'm going to move to Casey Donahue, St. Francis Sr. Um, he was a mauler, man. He paved, he paved the way for an offense that led average five, an offense that averaged 5.6 yards per carry and 342 yards of total offense per game. Uh, they mostly played Saturdays, too, notched 40 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss and an interception, three pass breakups on defense, recovered a fumble, and caused another. Keeping down the O-line, we got a couple more big guys we got to get in here with. Boyne City's Brayton Ager, the three-year starter, had done a lot for the Ramblers, had a couple of really good guys with Bobby Hoth and stuff running behind him. Uh, he's The six-foot, 240-pound uh, lineman was a leader for an offense that t- totaled 2,268 yards and had 35 touchdowns this season. He was an okay. all-conference and all-region selection who also produced 47 tackles, 14 and a half of which were for loss, and four sacks on defense. Yeah, and he is just legit. I mean, the the season opener when they played uh, Glen Lake, uh, early in the game he went down with an injury, and they thought that he might be out for the game. And the coaching staff was just, they just didn't know what they were going to do. Like, he's such a big part of their game plan on the, on both sides of the ball for them that they were just like, oh, man, this this could be it. And uh, But a few plays later, he gets up, goes, get, checks himself back in the game, and uh, and they, you know, stayed right in that game. I did talk to him after that game over, after their win over Glen Lake, and some might say it was an upset. Kid's just a good football mind, too, and Dave Suttle always talks about how good their line was this year, and I think he was right in the middle of it. 
Uh, next uh, member of the offensive line is Traverse City West junior Danny Rosa. Um, this is already the second time he's been on the dream team as a junior. Um, he angered that West offensive line. They produced 1,701 rushing yards, averaged 7.8 yards a carry, and scored 23 touchdowns rushing, plus another over 600 yards passing and six touchdowns. I mean, he's he's a big boy that uh, that can move pretty well for a big boy too. And uh, you know, when they needed some yards, they'd uh, hand the ball off to Christian Blavin and say, "Hey, run behind Danny." Going to Zach Nickel from Charlevoix, uh, team captain. Made it to the district final. Two-time All-Northern Michigan football conference blocker was just a big key in the Raiders' attack all season long. And like I said, they did they did make it to a playoffs and were undefeated going into that. Great season out of him and the Raiders. Next, we have the specialist from Traverse City West, Patrick O'Connor. The senior was a jack-of-all-trades for the Titans, uh, running behind Christian Boyvin. And, uh, you know, he helped him in just about every way possible. He ran for 537 yards and six scores. He had another 192 yards and three touchdowns receiving and had an interception and a sack on defense. Then our kicker on the offense is Traverse City West's Finn Durbin. Um, he was also All-State in soccer for the, for TC West, leading them to the uh, Division One State uh, Finals. Yeah, I was going to say the photo we have for him on the football dream team is his soccer photo, so that should say enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he made 12 extra points and was one for one on field goals, uh, made a 32-yarder and his only field goal attempt this season. Um, but he was also just a huge weapon on kickoffs for this season. He kicked off 29 times, and 21 of them were for touchbacks. Big boomer. Yeah, and when you got a good defense and you got a kicker that's just booming out of the end zone, you're going to make the opponent go 80 yards. That's That's a pretty good weapon. He is a friend of the show, so if you want to listen to about how it was like to play multiple roles on multiple teams in COVID, go listen to that one. That was a pretty good one. Our coach of the year is Cadillac's Cody Mallory. Um, Cadillac had quite a few good players, but none of them made the dream team quite. Um, but uh, Cody made the most out of uh, the talent that he had, got that team really competitive in the Big North Conference, and you know they're still going in the playoffs as well. So um, you know, just a, he's been there for a few years now and has that the program, I think, kind of going the way he wants it. It's just kind of it's one of those things where I think uh, he needed to to get what he was doing set there. I mean, the first couple of years that he was there, Cadillac struggled a little bit, but, um, you know, he's got that power run game that, that he runs, and uh, which is a little bit of a departure from Cadillac before. And uh, now that that's kind of in place, I think uh, things are going a lot more smoothly there. I also like the way he approached this presumed end of the season that we thought it was. He said on Twitter, I, I, probably what I thought the best response was among any coach in the state that you know instead of being mad i want to give thanks for what we had you know i want to give thanks for the fact that we got to play for regional champion we got a chance to play for a district championship and all the work our coaches and players and their families did to make this season happen so i think just the way he led his team in every way possible was a uh, really really high class moving on to the defensive side of the ball we still have a lot of guys to go through First, on the defensive side, we're going to go to the defensive line. We got Michael Streeter-Elliott from Traverse City West. He was a big presence inside for the Titans. Had 40 tackles, 29 of which were solo. He had two sacks, four tackles for loss, and a fumble recovery for the Titans' defense. They only gave up about 15 points a game, so obviously that defensive line had a lot to do with that. 
Going on to Michael Whitman, senior from Sutton's Bay. I believe he was on an all uh, MHS FCA all state team as well. Virtually everywhere for the Norsemen, blocking out offense and making plays on defense. Ended up with 88 tackles, 13 and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, two block kicks, and three stops to prevent two point conversions. Oh, yeah. And he scored a defensive touchdown. I mean, you didn't see this guy um, on the scoreboard, but you certainly saw him everywhere else. All yeah, right, Norseman. And he played linebacker and, you know, some kind of with his hand in the dirt, you know. So uh, he was a guy that I think we could move to the defensive line and be able to get another linebacker in there, even though he plays more more linebacker, I think, than than on the line. But uh, somebody uh, we just kind of I, did I that with. Next on the defensive line, Aiden Schmuckle from Traverse City, St. Francis. The senior had 10.5 tackles for loss this season and had 50 total, had three sacks and three pass breakups from the defensive line spot. He also had 11 rushing touchdowns on offense and had 483 yards with another touchdown through the air uh, on offense, actually leading the Gladiators on that side of the ball. Andrew Canary, uh, Grayling Senior, another guy from that really good that really good Viking season. Probably one of the area's best pass rushers. He produced 50 solo, solo tackles, 35 assists, and a half dozen sacks for a whopping 26 tackles for loss for that uh, Viking season. Talk about it so, in the backfield. Yeah, 26 tackles for loss. That is crazy. And and his family almost moved to Johannesburg in the offseason. Imagine if that had happened. They still would be undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but imagine how stacked Joburg would be with him roaming their defensive line. Uh, and continuing, moving on to the linebackers now with uh, Joey Donahue from Traverse City, St. Francis. He's only a sophomore, but, man, he stepped – Stepped up and was big time for St. Francis. Led the team in solo tackles with 31 and had 18 tackles for loss with 70 uh, total stops. Um, even scored a rushing touchdown this season um, and uh, seemed to just be kind of in on every tackle for St. Francis. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about somebody who was in on every tackle, we have to talk about the linebacker who's next, Luke Snyder from Charlevoix. The senior, I swear, was virtually everywhere. He had 102 tackles in nine games this season. That is just outrageous. Uh, averaging over 10 pat tackles per game. Had 646 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns on offense. He was the heart and soul of that Raiders team, which basically had its best season in school history. Bobby Hoth, Boyne City. I mean... Kids a tank, kind of like Milliken, but he's 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 like a lot smaller too. And it was weird. Um, helped the team to a district final appearance and a five-game win streak down the stretch. Um, scored a final touchdown and made game-saving tackle and overtime of the district semifinals, delivering the win over Glen Lake that I was at. Had two games of two hundred yards on the ground and that you know run-heavy offense. All NMFC pick, defensive MVP, dream team all area. Uh, 1,016 yards, 8.7 yards per carry, 16 touchdowns, another 136 yards, and two t- touchdowns receiving, 41 tackles, seven tackles for loss, a sack, and two interceptions on defense. I think that's literally every stat you can have. Yeah, he pretty much just checked off every box in the stat book. <laughs> uh, next linebacker is Traverse City West, Michael Skirmerhorn. Um, he missed one game, but uh, was just he just did a lot for Traverse City West. He was uh, one of the best linebackers, had uh, you know 17 solo tackles, 22 tackles overall, uh, a middle linebacker, two sacks, fumble recovery, two tackles for loss, 
um, and was just a really good blocker for that offense on, you know, as, as another running back in front of Christian Blavin. Um, and then even filled in at kicker in a game that, uh, that Finn Durbin wasn't there and uh, actually had a higher yardage average on kickoffs than Durbin did. Another linebacker making the team is Kingsley's Brady Harand. He was tabbed the NMFC Legends Defensive Co-MVP. He was a two-way starter, had 47 solo tackles, four sacks, eight tackles for loss, uh, 68 total tackles, and also started on offensive line that averaged 323 yards per game. Christian Boivin from Traverse City West, Defensive Player of the Year. I don't have a lot of stats for him, but like I said, we've seen enough of him in his play to know that him and Josh Bruno are easily the two best linebackers in the region for sure. Yeah, I hadn't pasted that in there, but I mean, he he ended up uh, you know averaging 7.8 yards a carry, ran for 940 yards, had that one huge game against Petoskey where he ran for 221 on 27 carries, had two touchdowns, three picks, 13 solo tackles, and blocked a punt. Um, that they didn't even consider, they didn't even count it as a blocked punt on the stat sheet because he literally tacked the, tackled the punter before he could get the punt off. So they just counted it as a tackle. We know. We could have put him on the dream team for offensive at running back, but he was actually our defensive player of the year. You know, you saw him all over for the Titans up there in Division One play. Next we have the defensive back Carson Bordeaux from Traverse City Central. I swear to God, every time you picked your head up, this kid was picking off a football. He had two interceptions in three different games this season. Four, Four different games this season. Four. The first three. <laughs> yeah, he had, it in, he had it in the first three and then in another one later on. But, I mean, just talk about a defensive ball hawk in the defensive backfield. Carson Bordeaux, man, what a, what a good defensive back. He, he definitely deserved a spot on the Dream Team. Yeah, he returned two of those for touchdowns as well. And then had three touchdowns as a receiver and 300 yards. All-state kid, too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, another defensive back, Patrick Starrett, uh, Charlotte Boy sophomore. Charlotte Boy sophomore. <laughs> Another guy who liked catching passes from other quarterbacks. Uh, four interceptions this year and provided another weapon in a passing game with 20 catches for 269 yards and three touchdowns. Okay. Um, our next defensive back, our last defensive back actually on the Dream Team is Will Wims from Kingsley. Uh, he you know, quarterbacked Kingsley's defense kind of from the back there at 26 solo tackles, five tackles for loss. Also gained 179 yards and scored six touchdowns as part of their uh, offensive backfield. And to, to round out our 2020 dream team is the punter position, and that is Landon Powers from Manistee. He averaged nearly 40 yards a punt, which in high school is quite the feat. You see a lot of teams struggle finding a punter who can really get a ball down the field. Powers had no problem with that. He also ran for 846 yards, averaging 7.1 yards a carry, and had 12 touchdowns on offense. It was all-conference and all-region in addition to an all-state punter by the Associated Press. Wow. So that does it for our 2020 football dream team. Make sure you pick up a copy of Sunday's Record Eagle to see that in full with our second team and our honorable mention. There are dozens more athletes who get honored for their play this season, so make sure you scoop up a copy off of newsstands then. That segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. We got just a couple more short segments here, fellas, and we have to update the people. We have to let them know we're in the middle of the Christmas spirit. We're in the middle of our Christmas bracket. 
And sadly enough, we move on to the next round. We may have to do it a little early because I, you know, let the, the polls run over when we recorded this. But nonetheless, let's go ahead and make this quick and dive on in here. I know I'm disappointed with at least one of these outcomes, but we won't go too deep until we get started. So, in the first matchup of the day, fellas, and this is this is the one I told you, I kind of don't mind because this is number one and number two for me, but we had 98 votes, and it was this close. Elf beat Christmas Vacation 52 to 48. Man, what a close run. Are you guys as disappointed as I am? Is it over yet? No. Okay. So I'm not going to make an opinion there. Well, well, it is over at. I mean, the, 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 now that we said it, it's over. This is. What if Christmas vacation for Nito? Okay. Nito. It's a really, really close vote. We're recording this on a Sunday. If Christmas vacation comes back with 20 hours remaining on this vote, we'll be proven wrong. But I did say Elf was going to be the sleeper pick in it. I mean, both are really, really good movies. I just think Elf is the one with more, like, really dumb laughs, where The Christmas Vacation is more like a classic. Oh, there's some dumb laughs in Christmas Vacation. All right, next next round, or next matchup, Home Alone absolutely wiped the floor with Charlie Brown's Christmas. I'm starting to think that Home Alone might might be the movie. They're just, just destroying everybody. Another one, The Grinch absolutely wrecked Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, 74 to 26. That doesn't surprise me. He probably was one. The one I was surprised a little bit about, uh, It's a Wonderful Life beat the Santa Claus trilogy. So one movie. 43. Yeah, one movie beat literally three movies. Yeah, but we'll see once again. So now we have, coming up for next week, at, at this point, we have The Grinch taking on It's a Wonderful Life. So we got our wish there. <laughs> we did it. We got we our wish it. there. And then it, from what it looks like right now, it's going to be Elf. Versus Home Alone. So, wow, we got some good ones. We definitely got some good ones coming up. Make sure you vote on our Twitter at TCRE Sports. Those will be up for the next week over through Christmas. And then we will reveal those final winners. Or actually what we'll do is we'll probably, since we're a day early, we're going to post those bowls. Have the next round run through Christmas. And then after Christmas, we'll run our final round for a couple of days with our final vote. So, at the next podcast, you will know what is the get-arounds. Best Christmas movie of all time. So that gives us a little bit more holiday spirit to talk about, gentlemen. We are in the week of Christmas. Our trifecta today, gentlemen, is what is your favorite part about the holiday and or Christmas season? This little nice chunk of December that everybody celebrates. What's your favorite part about it all? You guys go first. Well, it is my mom's birthday. I like always coming home. I've never spent the Christmas away from home. Uh, you know, it's hard to picture picture what the holiday season would look like if I wasn't. You know, there's always some good days for snow. And when I was young, I would go sledding a lot. I'm sure people up there would go uh, skiing and snowboarding quite a bit. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's just it's just uh, hanging around with family. I mean, uh, you know, my family's pretty scattered kind of downstate. And, uh, you know, so I don't necessarily get to see them a whole lot um, being kind of the the northern part of the family up in Traverse City. So it's like a two- or three-hour drive for me to go see any of my family. Um, so it's kind of mostly the holidays or, you know, big things like weddings or anything like that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just a pretty big important thing for me and uh, my part of the family here and just getting able to 
to hang out with uh, with those loved ones and stuff on uh, on Christmas Day. We usually play some dumb games and stuff too that uh, we always have fun with. And I know this year is gonna be a lot different. I mean, I think we talked about this on the podcast before. But like my stepdad, shout out Jim. His birthday is Christmas Day, so our Christmas Day is normally half Christmas Day and then half Jim's birthday. So it's usually like Merry Christmas, Happy Jim's birthday. Um, we I, I I love doing that, but honestly, I think like I think my favorite part about the holidays is seeing the not just like effort, but like the love and the things that people put themselves through for each other. Everybody always makes a joke, and we I mean, we're laughing even about Christmas Vacation. It's almost like the the epitome of that movie, right? Like no matter how crazy it could drive you, no matter how broke it makes you, no matter where you have to go to get it. You know, if you look at some of the Christmas movies like Jingle All the Way or something like, you know, just the the lengths that people go to sacrifice and give and love one another during this season is not what we normally get. And it's not what the world is like on a daily basis. I wish it was, you know, and it's crazy because, you know, you just think about you have like the 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 St. Vincent de Paul guys or, you know, the Santa Clauses for, um you know, you give a change off to the Santa Claus at the stores or whatever. Like that only happens around the holiday season, and I, I don't know why, but you know, everybody's in that giving spirit and everything like that. But that's what I like is that that giving spirit, that love, that openness, that people actually want to come together. People actually want to, you know, spend their money on one another and give each other their time, their effort, their love, their you know, gifts, whatever it may be. Um, I think that's what my favorite part about the holiday season is because normally I feel like that effort isn't given on a regular basis. And maybe that's just why we all have this as kind of an excuse to give that effort. But um, I feel like a lot of people don't embody it for the entire year. So the the few weeks that we do have it and everybody kind of gets in it together is always extremely exciting and is always fun for me. So, Yeah. So before we get out of here, we do have one more thing to do, and that is get the people fed. We always do this with our sponsors from Jimmy John's. Retweet, like, share, comment. Do something to us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere on social media, and we will get you entered in to win two free Jimmy John's subs. James, you're in our random roulette for our Jimmy John's winner this week. Who is it for episode 154? It is Lee Sherwood Inglehart from Harbor Springs. Very exciting, Lee. Thank you so much for sharing and interacting with us on social media. We will get those coupons out to you. Be look out in your DMs for a message from us to get that. As a reminder, make sure you follow us on Twitter at TCRE Sports, at Jake Atnip, at James Cook14, and at by Andrew R. Follow us on Instagram at TCRE Sports, on Facebook at TCRE Sports, and anywhere else, SoundCloud, you know, obviously follow us there so you can get our Get Around podcast as soon as it comes out. But before we go, we here at the Get Around just want to wish you and your families a Merry Christmas and a very happy holidays. Please stay safe, stay healthy. We wish you and your family the best. We thank you as always for listening. We will be back for one more episode before the new year, so we can kind of reminisce a little bit more before that. But thank you so much for listening. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We love you. We thank you. And we'll see you next week for episode 155.